Hello listeners and welcome to the inaugural episode of our podcast. I'm your host Patrick and alongside my longtime friend and colleague Kelvin, we're teaming up to bring you a unique take on all things tech. From global events, trends and topics in between, we're bringing long-form discussions about technology from the perspective of two people who work in the industry. And if you're like us and live in sunny Queensland, Australia, we'll also keep you up to date with upcoming tech events so you don't miss them because I don't open my emails from meetup.com either. This is the first of a 10-episode trial run of our podcast where we'll be discussing just what happened at WWDC with the Apple Vision Pro. So let's get started. All right. What are we touching on today? WWDC. How right? So in our previous X episode, which you would not have heard, uh, we because <laughs> we didn't, yeah, <laughs> we didn't release it. Uh, we predicted what was going to happen at WWDC, and I got to say, I think we did a pretty stunning job in the end. Um, it looks like the biggest piece of news, the Apple VR Vision Pro, the Apple Vision Pro, uh, sort of almost hit on the head where, where we thought it was going to be the approach for it, right? It's going to be this walled garden, Apple-centric device. It's not going to be compatible with existing VR ecosystems. In fact, it doesn't even care about them. Uh, and it's just going to go, it's going to go full Apple. It's going to be a full designer device, and it's going to be very expensive. And it is expensive. At 3,500 US starting is their comment. So let's see what the, uh, the good edition costs. We've got a pretty cool device that looks like it's geared towards productivity and lifestyle, less towards games and more towards photo sharing, memories, watching videos, watching uh, entertainment uh, and work, I guess. Is that is this sort of like Meta's vision for the metaverse? It's weird though, right? The, the interesting, uh, it's definitely the fact that there has no handsets, like you don't have any controllers. Yep. So the fact that you could, you know, virtual type and you know interact with it with your hands definitely seems like it could be but it could be geared toward games or towards mm. uh you know productivity i was i was way off i thought they would have collaborated with some gaming yeah. studios in advance um but the fact that it's it's an early look at something that's coming next year it could be which, it could be that they're collaborating right now but i would have expected them to have shown something by now, but I, I think also maybe Apple was just far too protective about their new device. Uh, they did not want this to be leaked into the secret, and they didn't even trust small teams of gamers or developers to actually um, create something for it for the presentation. Yeah, maybe, or maybe it was just running behind. You know, like it's it was a hard problem, and they just didn't get as far along as they wanted to before this, and so they just didn't get into a position to talk to gaming studios. I did love. Did you see that that they? Uh, Unity has teamed up with Apple. Wow, that's pretty... And it's not surprising that Apple isn't going to talk to Unreal, considering, you know, Unreal suing them and trying to get rid of yes, one, of their, you know, one of their largest but revenue also, sources. <laughs> we, we actually, uh, we work somewhat closely with yeah. Unreal developers, and I think they'll also agree that Unreal is just an absolute nightmare to actually build with. So I wonder if Unity was just the more sort of like friendly Apple sort of um market oh it was it's definitely a yeah it's definitely a dig it's like yeah like why would why would they when epic has just been so against apple 
Yeah, exactly. You want to guys want to see our new new device? We'll show you guys. Yeah, that's not happening. But yeah, it's not happening. But I wonder if that hurts the ecosystem because if if you were going to build an immersive game experience for this headset, it's going to happen with Unity five point two. Oh, it's not Unity. Sorry, Unreal five point two. I just don't Unreal think. Um, I don't think that, unless it's going to be insane. streamed. I don't think there is the power inside that headset in order to power that immersive of an experience on full VR. Because those two four K screens uh, in in the he- in the eyes in the uh, in the headset are pretty incredible. From all first hand accounts, no one really got footage of what it looks like inside the headset, which is a hard thing to do. Uh, and all of the footage we saw of it were mock up demos on the stage. So that alone just is a huge temper your expectations moment for me. And also the fact that we didn't see any Apple staff wearing it or any Apple executives wearing it on the stage even once is also, I think that was also like a calculated PR move. I think they would have looked pretty ridiculous standing up there on stage with their like, you know, their simulated eyes going through the <laughs> other side of it. It would look kind of stupid, let's be honest. They, did, they knew the memes would be there and they correctly avoided them. Uh, but I'm, I'm tempering my expectations. The two-hour battery life. Yeah, two-hour battery, two battery life as well. That's pretty bad. I mean, you do have the battery packs, so you can swap them. But even then, a battery pack is pretty bad. I'm just going to put it out there at the start of the podcast because there's going to be a few times I'm going to say this, but this, this device would not exist in this form if Steve Jobs was still running Apple. He just would not, not accept chance. it. Yeah, no way he would he yeah. accept it. Does Johnny Ives, Johnny Ives still work for Apple? He left and started his own consulting company. So he did. But he consults for Apple. <laughs> Sorry, he consults <laughs> Apple. So he, uh, he's still there. So basically, constantly. he just wanted to charge more money. Yeah, he just wanted to charge more money and have more time off. Uh, but they, they say that actually, I was reading an insider article, the factions of Joni Eyes and Joni Eyes' influence on uh, this device were enormous. Uh, and the whole company sort of stagnates unless Joni agrees that you should do something. He's the closest link to Steve, to Jobs, right? Like he... Yep. That's left, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like him and Jobs really collaborated closely. Well, from the Walter Isaacson version of uh, Steve Jobs' biography that I read, it seemed like you know him and Johnny Ives were the closest in their product collaboration. So, Do you want to explain who like... Johnny Ives is, just in case people don't know at home? <laughs> yeah, I guess he's the he's the chief design officer at Apple from 1997 to 2019, according to a quick Google. Uh, but he is the one who pushes for Apple's aesthetic. Well, it's mainly the hardware, right? Like, So the 2016 MacBook Pro disaster was Johnny Ives. The butterfly keyboard was Johnny Ives. Yep. Well, the butterfly keyboard, but also the only four USB-C ports. Mm-hmm. Screw the rest of the world. Yep. The fact that he wanted it to be thin and gave up like the heat. Mm. The, like, you know, he didn't care about the heat profiling he cared that it was thin yeah and so you know they were functional but they weren't good they were, they were beautiful devices but they, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah they looked good and yeah it's a good example compared to like this version yeah sorry you go i was gonna say it's a good example of what happens when you put designers in charge of something that engineers <laughs> and, and, and user experience people uh, should also have a say in, but they don't get a say in, right? It, they come up with this like beautiful looking thing, and things just need to be sacrificed technically everywhere to make it work. Yeah, Ives definitely seems like a form over function guy. Yeah, 
It was a beautiful device, though, i got to admit. Those old MacBooks were very good looking. Yeah, and they sounded like... I was like, I was okay with only having four USB-C ports because I'm a programmer and I don't plug that much stuff into my computer. And I was already on Android, so I already had... I was USB-C on Android, so I already everywhere, had right? USB-C. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I loved... I saw somebody tweet you know, when that MacBook came out. Somebody went out and bought a new MacBook and a new iPhone... And the iPhone did not ship with a cable oh, no. that could plug into oh, the no. new MacBook. So yeah, you know, because it came with the Lightning to USB A. Do the iPhones have USB C now? Are they actually required to do that in Australia, or are we going to get some sort of international version? Uh, I imagine they'll only build it in one way. The rumor is that there just won't be a port. So that's just because the European. Yeah, the European Union restriction is if there is a port, it has to be USB-C. Something, something like that. Don't quote me, but it's a long way. What do you call lines. that? Malicious compliance? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's a good word. I don't know if, that's, if you just made that up, but that's, uh, that's, that's exactly what I, think I, that's, I would I think do. that's a subreddit out there. This is definitely going to be the new iPhone. It's going to be the top posted thing there. Uh, yeah, you guys are going to make us put a USB-C port on there? Fine, we just won't have a port. But can you imagine having to... So then you've got to go and buy MagSafe like, <sighs> or, or wireless chargers? Well, then they'll I just pass like another it. law. Just, I mean, just give up, Apple. Just be the good guy for once. You just know? put a USB-C port on it. You don't have to be the good guy. Just With be Thunderbolt 3. Yeah. Yeah. We're not huge Apple people, in case you haven't well, noticed. Thunderbolt 4. Yeah, we're not huge Apple yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We do use MacBooks. We're not huge Mac- Apple people, but... Um, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't deny this. That that, that is just malicious compliance. That's just so so unnecessary. Back to the. So we got off topic Pro. there. Yeah, back to yeah. the Appalachian Pro. <laughs> I can really see the, this this device is this device is targeted at three people in my mind. Right, it's targeted at rich people, rich people's children, and really early tech adopters. Because nobody in their right mind, in the cost of living these days, is going to go out and dish three thousand five hundred US on a first generation VRAR device for an Apple ecosystem. That seems, that just seems a little bit too much money for anyone to have reasonably able to afford. But who is actually, who is this device for? Who, who do we actually see using this device? I see first class in airlines offering this device to watch movies. First generation, first generation, I only see I and rich people, mm-hmm. all the tech YouTubers who are going to review it, yep. uh, and developers. Yeah. I just see all the game studios buying them, indie developers who think there's a market there, they'll buy them, and all the Apple fanboys who have, you know, like I worked with an, an Apple fanboy a few years back and he had every Apple device ever. Every iPhone, every iPad. He just, you know, if it came out from Apple, he bought it. So there will be, there will be a market there and they're expensive. They're not going to do them in large mass market. They've actually manufactured a million of them or rather they've ordered a million of them. This is a bit of insider information we're getting from Mark Zuckerberg of all people who apparently is very well connected. Uh, but on, when he was on Lex Friedman, he was discussing his thoughts on the Apple Vision Pro and his internal information and he, he was, he did not word it that way, but his internal information that he got was that they've manufactured uh, one million of them, or they have the intention to manufacture a million of them. So they have some confidence in their ability to move these devices. And so do I, because it's Apple. They will find a way to sell it. He is correct, I think, in saying that this is also a good thing. His comments about the entire thing, by the way, are worth going and looking up. There wasn't much. He obviously has some really good executive-level training from somebody 
about how not to cause a PR storm when he answers a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you can well, see I, him I feel like that's a mandatory it. course you do as a CEO. Yeah, yeah, I think when you get when you get come to a certain valuation, your investors like put you into a room and force you to get this sort of training, right? Not screw unless it up. you're Elon Musk. Yeah, unless you're Elon Musk, in which no one can tell you what to do. <laughs> and he's sort of a he has the opposite relationship with the investors, right? Where he's just like, go away if I don't I don't want you. <laughs> I'll just take my company private. I don't care. But his comments were very short and just that he was saying that it will revitalize the VR, the VR AR space a little bit. It's gotten people more interested. He actually expects the quest, uh, his quest line over at Facebook to do better because of it. Now, a lot some of this seems like a little bit of coping. Some of this seems a little bit true no, I agree as well. With yeah, I agree. It's sort yeah. of 50-50 in my mind. I've got no doubt that he's extremely angry that Meta didn't work and he's probably looking for answers because this thing has taken headlines like the meta rebrand never did right and part of that's just the, the positioning of his company and the vision perspective around him as a person it was a bad implementation it was a bad implementation. not the headset yeah the headset like it seemed okay the imp like just the metaverse implementation like the crappy graphics with the you know the, the terrible looking work avatars. angle with microsoft as well was just yeah, a bad it- move um and and also the the entire idea that yeah i agree with him though it will revitalize the market because people will be like i'm not paying 3500 for it but i can spend 1500 and get you know this this thing from facebook that's already got a whole bunch of games on it at least and that's the other thing actually the whole gaming aspect he talked about it as well the apple vision pro has that really innovative new uh, method of interaction where it has these very high high fidelity sensors clearly that can just detect your yeah, finger tapping tracks your eyes yeah. to see what you're looking at that that's looks insane. awesome that looks really fantastic some of the early reviews about the finger tracking has been that it's also a little bit too sensitive uh, sometimes it'll just notice if you don't want to hold your fingers apart and you just close them it'll interpret that as a system gesture so you know really first world problems that's like you know <laughs> the uh, smaller than one percent of people in the first world problems uh, but the other thing is that it's not well adapted for games. So mm. it doesn't have... No haptic feedback. Yeah, it may have full hand tracking or something that we don't know about. It may have full, uh, in the future, maybe some software update. Or indeed, Apple might just release a controller for it. But you don't have the ability to have uh, what the other headsets do, which is two thumbstick inputs and a bunch of buttons. Some of them actually, like the, the Valve Index, will actually track individual fingers on your hand as well for things like grip. Uh, and it doesn't have the rumble vibration, which is really important, right? Uh, even in the early reviews of Apple Vision Pro, people are saying that, you know, I'm just disappointed and I know this is asking too much, but we know it's the same thing as the early VR. When I reach out and touch something or something touches me, I don't feel it, which is, that's a problem yeah. which I don't know how we're going to solve one day, but it's going to be an interesting one. I saw some really interesting technology coming out in that space where they were using like fabric to pump water or some something insane. And so you just have basically all these little tubes and then... This sounds like the Matrix. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, and so you put gloves on and just had lots of tiny little um, tubes of water that would give you haptic feedback. Mm-hmm. So I see that if Apple doesn't do it, somebody will come out with a third-party accessory that gives you that haptic feedback. Guarantee the iTube, the iTube Pro yeah. Plus <laughs> Max Edition. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's the same thing because it's it's still got that. The, even the Apple Vision Pro, as cool as it is, as cool as the design of it is, as cool as the whole. You know, one thing I do love is the screen facing outwards as well. 
I'm not a huge fan of like the, the <laughs> eyes pointing out. I think that kind of looks like goggle boxy and stupid. Uh, almost like you're looking through like some sort of lens or something like that. But I do love that it looks like a like you know something like you're in a portal or something to other people. I think that alone is, although kind of looking silly, perhaps it it sort of has like a uh, a vibe to it. It has like a, a look to it, right? It's that, oh, I want that look. They're wearing some expensive piece of technology and they're in another world yeah. right now and I want to be in there. What are they looking at, right? That's cool. But yeah, Apple still doesn't have that thing that, you know, it doesn't pass Patrick's Law, which is you're not going to see oh, yeah. teenagers wearing this at the beach posting it on Instagram. It doesn't look cool. No. It doesn't look cool in everyday life. Now, we do have a little bit out of this because the device is originally going to be even more bulky. According to The Verge, uh, the device was actually supposed to originally have a base station that it would plug into where all of its external processing would be done. So they were going to go for the more traditional VR approach originally, where there would be a computer which attaches to the headset, which would be doing all the processing, and it would have been far more capable. According to the report, they said that engineers inside Apple said that the device, even with its two processors, has serious trouble in order to keep up with what it's actually doing in the device at the moment. So I wouldn't expect too high fidelity gaming out of it at the moment. The actual architecture for it, the M2 plus the R chip, the reality chip, was actually built when they had an external base station. That's what it was made for. And when they'd actually cut out the base station, the silicon had already been set. So they had no choice but to just go with what they had, which wasn't ideal. Internal engineering politics, blah, 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 blah. So they are actually reportedly working in the future mm. on a more traditional glasses type design. Something that could potentially be oh. something that passes Patrick's law. I'm going to make that a thing. <laughs> what, with a base station? No, no, like no. Wearing a, it, a Walkman? No, it'll just be something like, you know, something like you and I wear. Something that I wear. I'm wearing, I'm wearing uh, something that passes Patrick's law. I'm going to make that a thing. Which is just more the traditional like aviators look or the Ray-Bans look. You know, if you can get away with Ray-Bans, that would be fine, right? I, I admit aviators is probably a little bit too, too thin and cool looking for technology to be packed inside of. But it's the, I, in my opinion, that's the only way you're going to get wearable heads up AR tech into everyday life. Unless Google Glass makes it like some sort of amazing comeback tomorrow and it suddenly looks cool. So the only way I see it happening in the near future is... You could have the goggles. Mm. Uh, you'd have to have fairly thick bands, right, to power screens and whatever. But then, like a wireless connection, you know, like a dedicated Wi-Fi six connection <sighs> to a base enough? station. Like that's so much data to process just, so quickly. And just for the screen, yeah. right? You'd need you'd need gigabits, right? Yeah, you'd need like what's the max Wi-Fi speeds these days? Well, like even for even in for an intro primer for people, the reason that we go with the goggles look is because the screens do need to be a minimum distance away from your eyes, just for things like lenses and other other actual you know, focusing glass factors, and also not to melt your damn eyes to actually be viable for you to see these things in the distance. Uh, but the idea with uh, some other wearable tech is that they'll actually project onto your eye, which means they also need to be a certain distance away. There's a reason why we haven't gotten these things to be more, more built into ordinary traditional glasses because they're just not, they're just not big enough to get that technology in there yet. 
Yeah, that's right. I'm speaking, I really hope yeah, that's correct. Please away. write me on Twitter if there's uh, something I'm forgetting. <laughs> but I'm yeah. pretty sure that's yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. We're happy to be corrected. Yeah, I'm happy to be corrected. Yeah, it's it's a long way off. Uh, yeah, but I still... I, I, the reason I like that this exists is enough people will buy it, enough developers will think there's legs on it, and we'll build games for it, and the technology will get better. It's the only way it happens is if... You know, big companies with enough money to flush down the toilet for over years because of the potential future payoff uh, actually do it. So, you know, was it Meta spent $30 billion on their Metaverse play? Mm. And it it did push the industry forward. And so now Apple's come in. Who knows how many billions of dollars they've spent on technology, uh, technology investments and hardware investments at this point. And they'll get enough people to buy it, I think, that they can then do a second generation. And eventually, again, four or five generations later, even if I would be, I would consider something like this if I could actually, instead of having a monitor, like a big 32-inch curve, 34-inch curve monitor or something like that, put these goggles on, just take it with me. And, you know, when I'm working on my laptop in public, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that it. You'd be so robbable in public. <laughs> you'd be the, you're the most robbable person in the in the room. <laughs> I am thinking about me sitting at the cafe at my son's school, working with a pair of those goggles on. Yeah, that's the other thing that we saw out of those demos as well, which was quite uh, cool. Which is that when someone walks into your field of view, the headset will recognize that and display them through whatever heads up content you have. So there has been some serious thought put into the device. Um, obviously, yeah. a hell of a lot of internal testing. It's very cool. I have to say, overall, the Apple Vision Pro is something that you got to admire. It is a very cool device. In terms of hardware, it's incredible. Mm. Like if you just forget it, forget the product aspect of it and whether or not the product's going to be successful. In terms of hardware, there's nothing. Nothing has been built like it. Yep. The, the internal screens, the external screen, the eye tracking, the hand gesture tracking. And also, even then, and on top as we of that, mentioned in the last podcast, yeah. nobody else has the technology chops to do it that well. Yes, yes, because nobody has chips that are powerful enough that don't use that much. Uh, and no one, power, and no one else, like electricity. On top of that, no one else has the experienced manufacturing computers like Apple does, and especially computers yeah. like that, which are very compact, very sleek, very good looking, desirable devices. Yeah, and the combination of hardware and software, which. Again, nobody does like Apple. Point out that uh, Meta Meta does technically manufacture computers as well. They have like these little uh, Meta Assistant things that you put in your home, but you know no one really has those or wants those, right? That's the difference. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do they? <laughs> yeah, you didn't even know. <laughs> That's a bad day to be Mark Zuckerberg, mate. His stock is tanking on this podcast release. How how did I not know about that? Yeah, they had this insane. for a long time. These little Meta portals, I think they're called. No. Yeah. I don't believe you. Meta portal? So like, it's like an echo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a family of video calling devices that make it uh, better connected with your family. Oh, there's no way anybody puts that in their house. That's just like, here, Mark Zuckerberg, please listen to everything that I say and watch everything that I do and then show me ads everywhere forever. You know what? If we were, if we had one in our homes right now, the portal would activate and Mark's face would just appear, and then he would actually just sort of like, if I could just join your podcast for a moment, I'd like to. Yeah, <laughs> his arm reaches, it reaches through the portal. <laughs> He's like pulling himself out. <laughs> it's like the ring. <laughs> well, 
I'm just imagining the doorbell ringing. Ding dong. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, Vark yeah. is calling you. <laughs> the helicopter is just like landing on the, the backyard. Yeah. Um, here's the thing though, is that Meta actually rebranded in 2021, October 2021. And then they officially changed their stock ticker over that December. So they became Meta. Um, but Apple has been reportedly working on this since as early as 2017, possibly even earlier. They originally planned to ship this in 2019. Is it possible, do you think, that Mark obviously has sources inside Apple or people who tell him things from Apple or they get yeah, employees know, from know Apple? Stuff, and there's also just, yeah. yeah, there's even on top of that, there's just sort of general knowledge that you get from being in proximity to other people, right, and other companies. Do you think Meta's whole switch to VR in the metaverse was prompted or even inspired in part by what they saw Apple was doing or what they were planning on doing in the future? Do you think they wanted to try and get there first and beat Apple? But they've been working, they bought Oculus way back, 2014. Yeah, that's correct. They announced their intention to acquire Oculus in 2014. So maybe it's actually the opposite way around. Maybe that they were starting to get into the VR space more heavily. This Actually, 2014 is really when VR was still that surging thing. This is pre up like when Oculus was coming out when it got acquired by Facebook that was a whole thing in the community but uh, VR was looking extremely promising hype was completely up for it this is the this, the next generation renaissance of VR mm. it was going to be the time VR actually works it's going to be all these different things that didn't happen and now we're back to Apple trying to do it again but I guess Apple then was actually late to the party Facebook always had the had sort of their toes in this space Unless Facebook was trying to adapt their existing assets through the metaverse. So Facebook saw metaverse web point three, so web 3.0, sorry. And they thought that was actually going to be a thing. They fell for it, like a lot of people did. And then they yeah. tried to leverage their existing assets through Oculus, et cetera, to try and push that even further into the metaverse and get into workspaces, et cetera. Yeah, I don't know. Because Facebook's tried to push into the workplace a few times and hasn't really had much success. No. They... They bought WhatsApp and WhatsApp is big in small businesses in like South America and huge in India. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like WhatsApp did really well in, you know, not first world countries, at least at first and has pushed into the in, in, more into the first world countries since then. Because yeah, WhatsApp was massive. I didn't realize first time I was in South America after WhatsApp had been released and just everybody uses it. You know, all the businesses have their logo, like the WhatsApp logo on all of their cars and mm -hmm. their business cards and everybody communicates on WhatsApp. That's just how they communicate. And WhatsApp still has a presence in Australia too, right? It's coming to Australia through uh, external countries as well. Like I'm on WhatsApp, for example. I do a lot yeah. of my chatting on WhatsApp. Um, but Yeah, we were just late to the game. Yeah, exactly. But technically, but usually around, you know, in Australia, America, Britain, etc., the big apps people will go for are iMessage, First off the bat, which we can talk about later, a lot has been announced about iMessage. Um, mm. And then on top of that, Facebook Messenger. Messenger is still a huge thing. Things like Instagram. And then good old SMS is still big in Australia as well. Or Chat now yeah. on Android. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. But that's that was Facebook's only real kind of semi-successful play into any kind of communication in the marketplace. Yeah. Communica yeah, it's right. Communication in the business. Facebook does have those sort of like community groups and focuses that we just can't avoid right now. I would like to see where Twitter goes with that in the future and if they actually lean into that a bit more because they now have encrypted messaging. They have a whole bunch of other things that are on route. They seem to be shipping out features constantly every week at least. I can't believe like, they've got 20% of the staff 
And they are shipping. Like crazy. They've shipped more in the last six months than Twitter did in the last six years, as Elon says. And that is just like absolutely true. It just goes to show, doesn't it? And they're listening to their users. Yep. They're actually shipping things that people want. They're just looking at what third-party services are building. Yeah, we've gone off on a tangent here, but it was an interesting tangent. Yeah, it was. Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> yeah, Apple Vision Pro. I, time will tell. Will you be buying one? I'm not rich. That's a good way of putting it. There is it. no way. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. I'm not a big enough fanboy. I don't want to develop anything for it. I'd love to try and it. I'd really love to try that that gesture and just see how high fidelity those screens are. I don't see myself dropping three and a half grand on it, especially not during these economic well, it's about times. Well, six grand like by the time it gets to Australia. It, it, when Sorry. it gets to Australia, if ever, it could pull a pixel fold yeah. and just not show up at all. But it's on top of that, it's just, it seems to be a, an interesting, I mean, it makes sense why it costs so much, right? First of all, you've got those two uh, huge, um, hi highly detailed screens inside, the two 4K screens inside. You've got two chips inside of it, uh, which, you know, probably cost a few pennies to make anyway at the end of the day. And they do need to start recouping, recouping costs for all of this research and development that went into this device, especially if there's not going to be a next generation if this thing completely flops, right? And they've placed a million orders for it already. Uh, but the other side of that is, is that we've, it, it's really bad economic times to price something so expensively. I feel like everybody around the world with interest rate rises going through the roof in, in most developed countries, uh, which is leading towards, you know, just tighter budgets at home as well. People don't have, I don't have the money to, I didn't have the money to buy Diablo 4 for $109 Australian. I just wouldn't buy it for that money, right? But I'm going to counter that point. Yeah, go. I think it's the time to price it that high. If if not higher, like price it as high as you can because the only people who are going to buy it, it's it's got a small market anyway. So you need to recoup your costs from that small market. Right. So you, so, you want to play that psychological trick and make it that sort of rare expensive item that rich people want? That does sort of work. Not even that. It's just that develop like development houses will buy them the fanboys will buy them regardless of their expense mm. it's not more expensive than a macbook pro really oh i mean like it's about the you know my macbook pro cost me two grand two and a half grand i think at the end of the no it didn't didn't it was it not nah, four and a half no i didn't i didn't get the ultra version i got the entry entry version I got the same as you, and I guarantee you it was four and a half. I don't remember the company bought it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was four and a half. Uh, and okay. it was 5,600 if you wanted to go to the M1 Max. or No, 5,900, somewhere around there, for the M1 Max, 64 gig, 16 inch. And we already know the Sorry. markup on these things is absurd as well, right? They are making these things for hundreds of dollars, if that. But then, oh. then we've got... I don't, I don't think their costs would ever exceed a thousand dollars on a Mac. I just don't see it. But the on the top of that, no, in total cost, including distribution, no, no. But then, then you've got the you're not getting a Mac. You're getting a headset, which is a limited application. It's a computer, though. It's a it's a proper computer in the way that an iPad is a proper computer. Don't fall for this stuff. It's not a computer. <laughs> it's not a computer. Okay. You will be able to well, do whatever a, you can. It's do. not just a monitor. You will be able to do whatever you want to do on the headset, I'm sure, especially if it comes with a web browser, you can do anything. But is it is it's not the same form factor, it's not the same device, it's not the there is gonna be people who really hate me for saying this. It's not a computer. 
It's a device which you're using for, as they showed off, it's for viewing photos and entertainment and, uh, you know, talking with friends and family and creepily recording your kids through the goggle box while they play on the ground. You know, that's so weird. <laughs> okay. So just to give you context, though, yeah. they're selling a monitor. Oh, God, don't even start on this thing. How much does the stand cost? God. Yeah. So you can spend on a monitor... $12,000 Australian. Now, I have to point out... A monitor. I've got to point out, if you're listening to this and you don't know anything about computers and you're thinking about getting into computers or owning a computer, you don't have to spend $1,200 on a monitor. You can spend $12,000. 12, $12,000? $12, I thought I heard you wrong. $12,000. Okay. On a you don't, have, you don't have to spend that much money. $698. You can spend less than $100 on a monitor if you'd like to. I got some monitors sitting around. I'll give you one for free. You don't need to send that. That is Apple. That is very Apple. But to give you some context, right? That, I think. I know that monitor. It seems ridiculous to me. I know that monitor. That's an LG monitor that they rebranded. And the LG one sells for far less. Is that the one we're talking about? That, that, that Studio XR monitor thing? The Pro Display XDR, yeah. Yeah, that's an LG monitor. And you can get it from LG for a fraction of the cost. That's Apple. Well, yeah. That, but that's it. So, honestly, $3,500 for... A, and so we're talking US dollars here. So we're talking maybe six to $7,000 yep. Australian for the headset. It's not that much of a stretch. It's only a couple thousand dollars more than a la like their top-end laptop. You could spend more than that on the laptop if you went the fully spec. Okay, and let's just we could quickly do this. But if you went the fully spec MacBook Pro uh, in a 16-inch, and you upped the Sorry, I'm just quickly getting in here. Bear with me. So it starts at 5,600 with 32 gig of RAM. So if you go to 96 gig of RAM and put 8 terabytes of solid storage, you're looking $10,099 Australian. So it's not that much of a stretch to pay $7,000 for this headset. Yeah, but and again, I, I, it's I, got I, such a limited yeah. market. Make it expensive because honestly, the people who can and will buy this either will go into credit card debt to get it and not care about their financial situation or are in a financial situation regardless of the current economy that they can purchase it. Just afterpay it, mate. So make it expensive. For uh, 4,000 payments of $200 a week and you can have your... <laughs> <laughs> you can have your Apple... And in 25 years, you can <laughs> Yeah, in 25 years, it'll be all paid off. But also there's the side of like, what are you getting more utilitarian use out of? Like for us, for example, just for us as programmers... Uh, one of the few people who would ever consider purchasing a device like this because we would want to develop apps for it or something like that. You can either get this device and you can watch movies and games and uh, look at your kids through the goggle vision, which I want to talk to you about at some point. Or you can uh, buy a laptop and the laptop will enable you to... Like, what, what would you rather code in? The Apple Vision VR Pro, tapping your fingers, just like... Just like some guy out of Star Trek where that's like, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you know, yeah. you're in the box Waving your fingers and you've got, you got the red yep. dot. Do, 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 do. Uh, or would you rather <laughs> having like a keyboard that's not butterfly, um, you know, that, that M2 Max chip or something like that and actually being able to do whatever you need to do. Because if you're sitting on an airplane, you can still take your laptop and just watch a movie on the laptop. I've done it. It works perfectly fine. You don't need, you don't need the yeah. damn two hour battery life. 
super expensive headset on the plane. And even then, what plane flight are you taking where you're watching a movie and it's it's like shorter than two hours? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, what, what what is this? You have to take like a but bunch of battery packs. A no, a lot of international flights actually have PowerPoints now. So you're like underneath the seat. Yeah, but does this plug and, into that? You we haven't seen plug, a power adapter. Yeah, yeah. You really? can plug a USB C cable into the bottom of the battery pack. Oh, you're gonna chop so, you're gonna chop the plane out of the air running all those damn Apple Vision <laughs> VR pros. <laughs> so you've got I, I think it's great, right? You've got that goggles on and then a cable coming off the goggles into a pack and a battery pack and then a cable coming out of the battery pack into a PowerPoint. It'll be a mess of wires. This is horrible. I, and inside you're playing flight en- simulator. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would enjoy watching like maybe one movie. But sitting there for like ten hours with the headset on. Oh no. I'm not seeing yeah. it. No. I'm not seeing me doing it. I'm lucky enough to be one of those people where I don't get that motion sickness, so I've spent like a whole day in VR before. It's it's really cool that when you can and when you take the headset off you get pretty disoriented because you forget that reality is that detailed and you can actually move further than like a meter around the room um but no especially especially on a long flight anyway i don't think having that person next to you put on the apple vision vr pro that's i know that's not technically its name um would be the would be a cool sight at first right you'd be like wow we surely are in the future but then don't you think it's kind of weird just having someone sitting there just like watching whatever with the all, all you can see out of it it's just like this like translucent animation and then every now and again their like eyes appear and just like look at you briefly through the animation and then disappear again <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody falling asleep on an airplane and like drooling <laughs> and then somebody walks past and it like opens up and you could just see their eyes i don't know their eyes shut as they're sleeping you know what's great with these things is that they will show the person who gets too close to you right so are you just gonna be able to like toy with people and just like go up to that person on the plane and just like constantly pop your head in and out of their reality just to <laughs> yeah I, I actually i want to i want to challenge you here how much did you pay for the HTC Vive when it came out? That's a really good question. Upon release, I believe that cost me eight hundred to a thousand dollars. And how much did the computer that you needed to run it cost? Now that's not fair because I already owned that. Um, but if you had to sum up the parts in my computer, not to get myself robbed here, I think it's about. Two to three thousand dollars in total, but this is a culmination of many years of um, parts that have been going into this. Yeah. You know, not just the motherboard. This is a, 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 a huge graphics cards, a lot of hard drives in there as well. Yeah, and graphics cards have gotten expensive. Yeah, and that's the thing that I was thinking about. This is that purchase, right? Like every four or five years, I'll get a new GPU. I don't see it happening for some time because graphics have kind of like peaked a little bit. I feel like. Might regret Unless that you're ML research. Yeah, yeah. but I've, like I've got the RTX card. I've got the um, you know I can do well at rasterized rendering. Nothing's really coming out that's like melting my graphics card anymore. There's no crisis around the corner. There's no um, the reason I upgraded yeah. the previous one was because of The Witcher. I wanted to play The Witcher, and nothing I had could run it. But there's nothing like that coming out very often anymore. RTX was kind of like that big one, but now I've got a well capable mm. RTX card. 
Um, now you can say that RTX is going to continue to develop and I'll need something again in the future anyway. Yeah, that's true. But like every every couple of years, I'd pay that like three to four thousand dollars, whatever it is, for the damn card itself uh, to upgrade that. Right? That is this sort of purchase. So in a few years' time, if I just don't find myself playing games anymore. I might choose to get a future edition of an Apple VR headset if I find that they're really cool and I'd like to actually play them more often. Um, but again, I'd be getting less utilitarian use and I think probably less product life out of it as well. Yeah, you definitely get less product life out of it. So when at Hydric, we didn't have a machine powerful enough to run the HTC Vive. Really? So we had to spend about $4,000 on a computer and then plus the Vive itself, which I think was more than a grand when we bought it with all the sensors. So there's what, $5,000 seven years ago compared to what, $7,000 now? Yeah. It's not an apples for apples comparison because that computer was capable of doing other things aside from the headset. Yeah. But it's not that unre- it's not a, that unreasonable a cost considering it's got an M2 chip in it and an R1 and those screens and the sensors and it's it's, yeah. yeah, you're right. I can't. I, I can see the comparison. I do see the comparison between them. That's true enough. It's not going to, as we said, this isn't a this isn't a mass market. This is there's probably a million people out there across all of the developed world that will buy them between fanboys and businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's an unreasonable. And what do they need to even if they ordered a, a million of them and sold five hundred thousand? They'll at least recoup the construction costs. They won't recoup the engineering, uh, the product, you know, the hardware product development costs that went into it. I'm not sure if there's a special term for that. Not even to mention the, uh, the invoice from Joni Ives, mate, they're going to get for... Uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. One billion dollars. For one day's work, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to it's hard to value that hardware research as well that hardware investment because even if this reality pro headset doesn't isn't successful and they don't make their money even if they made the money back on the hardware that they built this time but they don't make their you know their hard like their research investment back there might be sensors software hardware advancement that come out of that research that go into their other products in the future that make that research worth it. So it's not, even if this doesn't... And the other thing is, think about it like the stupid Dyson headphones Mm. with the breathy thing that is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The amount of advertising that has generated uh, because of its ridiculousness... Mm -hmm may may i don't have the numbers i'm just speculating but that may make up for the fact that nobody buys it and so between that the the, between the the fact that everybody's talking about apple now because they came out and did a big conference and barely mentioned ai and reduced and you know came out with the goggles that everybody is past now and everybody's focused on the ai has actually They've got enough push and enough clout to bring that back into the market and get people talking about Apple. Yeah, that's true. And actually, you know, even when this, when the, after the announcement, directly after the announcement of WWDC, I saw reporters on TV reporting on it and they were like giddy with excitement over, over what, this, what this meant in Apple's revolution and this whole new generation of technology. And, you know, of course, I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking like you didn't even see it. You didn't even use it. 
Um, yeah, it looks cool. Don't fall for it. All you saw was a product uh, like pre-render on the screen. Like this is this is like you're getting way too excited, right? It's like it's their first time with any new product and technology. You're getting way too excited. <laughs> Prepare to be disappointed somehow. Yeah. Um, but and they, they've every tech got the YouTuber hype. has talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Every tech YouTuber has talked about it. And even every tech yep. and even Marquez Brownlee was, was uh, at least somewhat impressed as well by this the fidelity of the screen and just the the ease of um, the, the, the sort of think finger tapping navigation. Yeah. We did actually have a, a leak from what those navigation. Uh, gestures were actually we did get all of them out of there and it looks pretty simple stuff it looks all to be based on your um pinched pinching it seems like whatever sensors that are those are detect pinching that's probably all they do uh so they'll pinch a tap a double tap a long tap and then two uh, fingers to rescale something for example and that's all they're sort of detecting at the moment i do hope this inspires someone like google to get back in this space because this is not an everyday wear tech this is a this is the same thing as like an oculus um quest yeah, I'd love. I know that. I know that wear tech on your face is not sexy. People don't like things that obscure their face, and they don't like that the idea of having something on their face. It's just like if I said you got something on your face, right? You're like, oh, like immediately touch it. Like we're constantly checking our face. It's like it's human yeah. instinct to constantly groom your face, find a mirror, check how you look. Um, and I know that the Google Glass was this big ugly thing sticking off your head, and that looked like it was out of Star, uh, Star Trek, which is kind of cool back then. It's not cool now. But I hope it inspires them at least. I don't think it will. But I hope it inspires someone to try and get back into that everyday wear tech sort of glasses, Ray-Bans, Patrick's Law look. Google has to get past the panic of (laughs) (laughs) OpenAI and Microsoft is going to steal my entire market share. Yeah, yeah. The search is uh, looking on the rock. Search looks like it's going to be revolutionized away from advertising and away from search entirely, actually. Like, how are web publishers going to get how? their name out there without SEO? This, and the total tangent, but yeah, I've seen this mentioned a few times. The whole AI, uh, this whole AI, like scraping your website and extracting data is going to eat itself. Yep. It's like the snake eating its own tail. Yep. Because why would you produce this content if nobody's actually going to go to your website and read it? If you don't get recognition and advertising revenue. Mm-hmm. So... I think Google could solve that problem, though, better than maybe the way Bing and OpenAI are going about it in that they're just scraping websites and giving you back data. Whereas at least Google Google is an ad company. Most of their revenue comes from Google Ads, Google AdWords. So they need to find a way to make AI search work so that people will continue to buy ads and people will continue to generate content for their AI to scrape. And so I would be okay with uh, producing some content that gets scraped by Google's AI and displayed on the search page as long as there's, there's a revenue. No incentive. There. Yeah, if there's a revenue incentive, it's going to be it's going to be it, it'll be nothing, right? It'll be pennies pennies on the thousands of views. I think that'll fix itself eventually, though, because people will stop generating content or they'll go somewhere else. Well, actually, interestingly, the archive.org, you know that website, archive.org. But they actually had to take all of their public access offline recently because they had a, a, a huge volume of scraping against the website. As they said, it was an AI company that they know of and it's not their first attempt to try and scrape the archive for data in order to train their base model. Uh, <laughs> so people, people are just scraping. They're, they're not scraping websites. They're sort of scraping archive for just text. They just want text to train their model, right? Any text will do. Any book will do. 
uh, as much as much information as they can get to these base models as humanly possible. Um, I just I really worry about the huge future of the internet and discoverability. I think we're probably going to end up with some sort of strange social thing where if you want to get your name out there, it's going to be on places like you know whatever the Twitter of the future is. Maybe it's Twitter still, uh, but it's going to be you know playing the social game, playing the advertising game as hard as you can. Or everything's paywalled, so it can't be scraped. So that's a pretty dismal future because I'm not paying. I would. I would happily pay a subscription like a Netflix subscription and then just the Dart or, you know, like YouTube Premium or something like that where that money gets distributed to creators of content that I that I read. I think Brave, the Brave model. Mm. Although I haven't, I don't use Brave browser at all. <laughs> no, I, I use Chrome anyway. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I agree with you. But, but I, at the same time, like I'm not like I, I do fund some creators that I really love. Like you know, in places like YouTube, I funded some on Twitch as well. Uh, on Twitter, I also was sponsoring someone until recently, until I wondered why the hell am I doing this during top economic times, and I took it all back. Uh, but yeah, I just don't see that model. Yeah. Working. I'm I'm unlikely to pay for individual creators though like i'm not going to go and give one individual unless they're producing some technology or software that i use yeah i'm unlikely I'm to go and pay ten dollars a month yeah i'm happy to yeah, pay yeah. for, I'm tech happy that I for use, software right? yeah or i get if it was a like you know maybe a specific open source developer who was producing a lot of libraries and content that is relevant to my work then i that i would pay for it I'm not going to go and pay ten bucks a, a month to a to a specific YouTube channel though, and I don't see why I would. Like I pay for YouTube Premium. Well, you see, I uh, yeah. what's the bonus? You're you're lucky. Stay off YouTube. Some of us have very serious addictions to YouTube, like thousands of hours of YouTube. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I can't I, get I off watch, it. I watch a fair bit of YouTube, but I pay for Premium and I don't get ads, and I'm happy with that. So we're running out of time as I actually really, I really wanted to talk about the Mac Pro because this is, this is where I was wrong. Uh, so I really thought that if, if Apple was going to make a play into the AI space, it was going to be for training or uh, machine learning workflows. You know what I mean? Like making a pro machine that was just a beast at doing machine learning workflows. I yeah. I feel I just thought they would try and capitalize that and somehow. But the fact that you there is no external GPU support. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised because I don't see technically how they can make that work. With their architecture and their M1 chip, I don't think it's going to be possible yeah. anyway. But on top of that, I feel, you know, NVIDIA's stock price is surging at the moment because there's no competitors in their space. Really, that's like the thing. Their tech is, they've got a great leapfrog over other tech at the moment. And with AMD saying that they're not going to be focusing on machine learning and more on just the consumer video game graphics space, which a lot of people have called out as being a huge mistake. They're yeah. unlikely to, to have any competitors in that space for a few years as well. And actually, the real thing driving the stock price is just the demand for their products. The products are just in super high demand now for AI applications during the AI boom. AI and, and crypto. Yeah, first it was crypto, <laughs> and then they put all those like hash limiters on their on their chips, and now it's AI. God, God help us! You can't buy a graphics card anymore. And Nvidia has a huge jump start in this area, and I feel like even if we were 
we talked about this previously last time because we do work in a company that does machine learning uh, and, and modeling and all sorts of things like that. Even if we had those machines in the office, we would still be uploading our workflows to the cloud to be trained in Google Cloud because they are CUDA-designed workflows. The tool sets and the, the, uh, the software development kits, et cetera, uh, uh, everything in this community, AI training community, has been built around in, uh, optimizing for NVIDIA chips, right? And optimizing for the NVIDIA ecosystem. It's not optimized for a new Apple ecosystem or whatever ecosystem that Apple would adopt. It's, well, this. it's saying that PyTorch is now optimized to run on the Apple Silicon. So... Yeah, but is that, is that more of like a hobbyist right. thing or is that like a, is that like, you know, some what, AI PyTorch? guy at home? No, 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 not PyTorch. You know what I mean? Is that like something like, you know, AI developers at, at home, like these hackers in the basement who just want to train their damn model? They just want to train their model on their, on their no, M1 at home, right? Because they, they don't want to upload the damn things first to class Google Cloud. PyTorch, there's first class PyTorch support for, for Apple Silicon. Hmm. So, okay. sure, there would be the hobbyists at home that are just training, like leaving their laptop running for weeks at a time to train <laughs> to train models. <laughs> to train their phones so they can drive to, their car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't, yeah, it, like the professionals are still going to upload it to the cloud because then you've got redundancy and you've got, you know, throughput and... You know, the storage it just and suits everything the team workflow to more. Run your computer. It just suits that sort yeah. of either startup or corporate workload more just to put these things either in Google or Amazon or wherever you want to upload your data that you feel safe with, whichever company you're not in competition against, I guess. But yeah, yeah. And, and also on top of that, these, these new chips are very cool. And on top of that, they're cool for graphics. They're very cool for graphics, but Apple's charts around these were pretty misleading. Uh, is one thing we got to point yeah, out. Right. Yeah, so it's power. It's you know power per watt. Yeah, that's, that's right. What talking so, about. so for people listening, if you haven't seen WWDC or if you did see it and you think Apple's now got the best GPUs out there, they showed a graph which showed their their chips, their M2 Ultra, beating out other chips on the market, which means Nvidia. This was actually limited at the max wattage of what their chip can take which if you unlimit it uh, uh, the other in at uh, the yeah, nvidia you card just continue that, the graph yeah the yeah, it, continue the graph a little bit further yeah there's there's no comparison there's actually no comparison in fact the m mac ultra the mac studio ultra has just under half the performance capability graphics wise of the rtx 3090 on the pc so apple apple being apple this is Apple being Apple, and everything, everything from that presentation. Even while I was watching that, you know, the Apple Vision VR Pro, that you just got to take that with a grain of Apple being Apple. This is Apple. Yeah, they're not going to lie to you, but they're not going. They're going to obscure the truth. Phrase it in the yeah, <laughs> phrase it in the most favorable light. Yeah, it, and you know, what they did is really important for laptops. Like the fact that I can get power per watt out of my laptop and get an amazing battery life out of my day-to-day work machine is amazing. Yes, it is. And for video workflows, those chips are incredible. Like mm-hmm. if you are doing video editing, the fact that the Mac Pro can process eight, no, 24 8K raw streams in real time. Oh, they're very good for video processing. Something insane yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like it's an amazing piece of tech. Yep. And so they've just lent into that, but there is no. It's not an ML machine. 
And it just blew my mind that Apple hasn't tried to make that play. And, and maybe the reason they haven't is just because they can't. They haven't got any way of integrating with external GPUs because of the yeah. chip architecture. They haven't got the chips themselves. This is just more of Apple missing the current AI. Apple does not seem to respond well to current events and adapting to them fast yeah. because they, they make the trend. Yeah, exactly. You know what's going to happen is that we just got the VR headset out and people are like blown away that this thing called VR exists, right? It's like, yeah, why hasn't it for forever? Remember the original Super Nintendo? Uh, but what's going to happen is seven years from now, Apple's going to come out with some super basic, like cringy AI model that can talk back to you. And in the meantime, the world will have already been destroyed by whatever hell open AI is going to create next. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even it will be impressed by Apple inventing AI. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with, with the typical Apple catchphrases of the best, yeah. uh, you know the the best generative AI that's ever been done. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. The it's, most technically impressive, whatever, like yeah, whatever words they use. It's to, only four million parameters right? thin. Like, you know, like it's just yeah. the language. They're very good at language and presentation, Apple, because they yeah. are. They are. You know, as people say, and it is some. It is correct, and not somewhat correct. It is correct. It's a fashion company. Um, their whole their whole oh, strategy yeah. is to fashion computers and it really really works for them it's a fantastic play for them it works great they do not have to be the the best in technology they just have to do certain things the best or at least well enough that their markets will continue to buy them over windows pcs yeah. and let's be honest like i don't really see myself buying a windows pc for work in the near future i'm sure you don't i just Me don't either. just don't see it um, the Unix that we get, like the whole the whole system on on an Apple, is just better for development. And I, you know, again, I'm going to get some angry tweets or something is going to happen. Someone's going to stop listening to the podcast <laughs> right now, and they'll say it's better for web development. Try doing some real development on that. Okay, but I am a web developer, you know, so it's better for me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if you still think Windows is better, I encourage you to just try it because I was also a Windows developer for a very long time, and yeah. I can't deny this is just a, this is just a better place to be at. It is right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. And on that note, let's 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 wrap it up. Yeah. So we uh, had a lot to talk about. We didn't <laughs> talk about anything except the damn headset. And see what I mean? We we're the victims of Apple marketing. We're sitting here talking uh, about this crazy headset that they're not going to buy. We're just going to put name the podcast just, the uh, the Apple VR Pro. <laughs>